As you know, we've been doing a series for several weeks now. This is part seven, actually. We may go the whole summer. I don't know. That's fine with me. We've been talking about the subject of living by faith. Now, this particular subject happens to be, first of all, one of my favorite subjects. There's two subjects I love to teach on, faith and healing. It's just in my blood. Amen. It's just, I just love it. Okay. And, uh, but even the subject of faith alone, it's such a vast subject. You could teach on it for several years and not exhaust the subject. So we're just trusting the Lord to tailor make and to speak to us individually each week that something that will really be pertinent to us. I don't want to just give a history lesson. That's not my job. I want to look into the Word of God and find out what the Word of God has to say about us now in this situation. Amen. So we've talked about living by faith. This will be part seven today. Another definition for faith that I, I gave you was, and review real quickly, synonyms for faith would be like confidence, trust, conviction, assurance, dependence, reliance. You see, when you have faith, you have confidence. Okay? Now, what I want to see today is I want to talk about E.W. Kenyon wrote a book years, many, many years ago, probably close to 100 years ago, called Two Kinds of Faith. Two Kinds of Faith. And the first type of faith is sense knowledge faith. We're going to talk about that for a minute. And then we're going to talk about Bible revelation faith. And that's the kind of faith that we want to walk in. Okay? But first and foremost, let's, let's go over to the book of John, if you would, chapter 20. John chapter 20, and let's pick up here in verse 19. That's in John 20 and verse 19. Now, as I read this, I want to kind of set the picture, the stage here. Jesus was already crucified, and he was raised from the dead, and now he's going to appear to his disciples right after he was resurrected from the dead. Okay? you get that? That's the picture here, all right? Now, let's look at verse 19. It says, now at this time also, you have to understand, there's only 11 disciples left. Judas has uh, committed suicide and so forth and so on. Now, there's 11 disciples left here, okay? It says in verse 19, the same day, one evening, being the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were assembled Notice this, for fear of the Jews. So they're, they're basically hiding out in someone's house because of fear of the Jews. Now it's persecution. Now this is right after the resurrection of Jesus. And it's, notice this, in the midst of this fear, they're hiding, they're in seclusion because of the Jews. That says that Jesus came and stood in their midst and saith unto them, Notice this, peace be unto you, shalom be unto you, wholeness be unto you, nothing missing, nothing broken. Praise God. Now, I don't know if, about you, but have you ever been in a situation where you're in your house and you're afraid and something's going on and you're, you're just, man, you're just gripped with fear, you know, something like that, you know? And then in the midst of that mess, Jesus appears to them. 
And he says, peace be unto you. I would just imagine that Jesus had a smile on his face. He didn't appear to them and say, I'm bringing more fear. I'm bringing turmoil now. Boo. <laughs> he didn't say that. When Jesus shows up, he shows up in the midst of your chaos in the midst of confusion, when you feel like God's a miles, miles, and miles away, that's when Jesus loves to show up in the middle of a chaotic situation where you feel fear, you feel lonely, you feel rejected, or whatever the case is. Jesus loves to show up in that mess. Amen? Jesus is not afraid of your mess. He's not. He loves you so much, he's not going to keep you in that situation. I mean, look at the book of Genesis, for example. It says that there was darkness on the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the deep. God's not afraid of chaos. There was utter chaos. Okay? And here, in, as the disciples, 11 of them, are hiding for fear of the Jews of being persecuted because of what just happened to Jesus just a few days before that. Jesus is resurrected, and he, he comes in, in verse 19, he says, Peace be unto you. I love that Jesus is still the same Jesus, and he will, he, you don't have to necessarily have Jesus appear to you. If he wants to, that's fine. Amen? Something we should be really careful about is we don't ever ask, Jesus, I ask you to appear to me. Don't do that. That's unscriptural. Now, if Jesus decides to do that, that's good. But see, a lot of times people are seeking, sometimes well-meaning people seek an angel or visitation. And the Bible says that the devil can transform himself into an angel of light, okay, and deceive people. So we don't, uh, do angels appear to people? Well, sure they do, okay? They're still on the earth. Jesus, I know friends of mine that Jesus appeared to them. They weren't asking for it, okay? But here's the thing. You don't have to have a visitation from the Lord for him to talk to you. Because he lives in you. Now, if he decides to appear to you, usually that's because there's rough sailing ahead. <laughs> because if you didn't see him or hear him, man, you'd be so tempted to quit and give up, you know. Hallelujah. Just like when Paul was on the ship, you know, they're all about to die. And an angel appeared to him, you know. And he says, Paul, you're going to be all right. And those, if they stay on the ship, they're going to be all right. You know what I mean? And, and, and so sometimes Jesus will do that. But my point being is this, if you're a Christian, God lives in you, Jesus lives in you, His Spirit is in you, and He, he will communicate to you every single day. He will talk to you as much as you want to listen. Think about that. Okay, so, and when He had said so, He showed them His hands in His side, verse 20. Then were the disciples glad, and when they saw the Lord, when they saw the Lord... Verse 21, Then Jesus said unto them again, a double dose, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when he had thus said this, he said, He breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now I want you to underline that phrase there, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Ghost. Here is where the disciples were born again. 
They were not born again on the, Pente the day of Pentecost. They were already born again. They got baptized with the Holy Ghost. But here, really, prior to this, no one could be born again. You stop and think about it. Even the Old Testament believers that we know about, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the Old Testament characters, were all servants of God, but they were not born again. Because nobody could be born again until Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And that's why you'll find that, that, that you, people say, well, then where did the Old Testament believers go when they died? They went to a place called Abraham's bosom, which, by the way, doesn't exist anymore. It was a temporary holding place. It was called paradise in Luke chapter 16, where... Abraham's bosom, it was, not, it was a place of non-torment. It was a place of blessing and refreshing. And Jesus, when he died and went to hell, he preached, the Bible says, to the spirits that were in prison. And then when he was resurrected, they all came out with him. <laughs> That's why after, when Jesus was resurrected, there was dead body. There were formerly dead people walking around the city. <laughs> Praise God. That'll grab your attention. Sure will. And, uh, but it says that Jesus said, Peace, praise the Lord. And he breathed on them and said, verse 22, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. So they were born again here. Hallelujah. They were born again. And he says, And whoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whoever sins you retain, they are retained. Now what's that, what's that, what's that mean? That means you have the ability to see people's sins forgiven. They can be born again now. Now you can carry on. He says, As the Father has sent me, Jesus, I'm now sending you. And you have the ability to go out and do the greater works. Remember Jesus said in John's gospel, he says, He that believeth on me, he says, will do greater works than these because I go to the Father. One of the greater works that we do is seeing people get born again, being raised from the dead. That's one of the greater works. Now, people were healed prior to the resurrection. People were set free. People were set free, but nobody was born again. But now, you and I have the ability to see people's sins be forgiven. And you pray for someone, they get saved. Bam. Supernatural forgiveness. That's what he's talking about right there. Now, look at verse um, 24. But Thomas. Everybody say, but Thomas. <laughs> One of the twelve, called Digimus. <laughs> he sure did miss. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Now, isn't that interesting? Because we 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 refer to Thomas. Now, he didn't stay this way, but we refer to him as as what? Doubting, doubting Thomas. Nobody wants to be called doubting Frank or. Whatever your name is. You okay? People call them doubting. Did you notice? Here's 11 disciples. There was 11 after Judas had already gone. Now there's 10 disciples. All right? When Jesus appeared, guess who was missing? <laughs> 10 of them are in, the, in this room, right? When Jesus appeared. Except Thomas. Doubters will always miss out. Now, thank God Jesus got a hold of him. He didn't stay doubting Thomas. He became believing Thomas. 
and had some powerful things happen in his life. But he didn't start out that way. And it's like a lot of us, we don't start out strong. We start out where we're at. And a lot of Bible characters that we read about, we only see their high points. We don't see their low points where they started out. Abraham didn't start out strong in faith. He didn't. He became strong in faith. But you, never, you have to realize where they came from, from down here to up here. Now, Thomas was not with them when Jesus appeared. All right? And uh, pick up in verse uh, 25. It says, The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Do you see that? He said, I will not believe. Okay? All right, now he... He's telling the, the ten disciples that were there now, the eleven now because Thomas is there with them, that this is after Jesus appeared. And then he disappeared, right? So, they said, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. He appeared. He said, I don't believe it. I doubt it. He said, I, I'm not going to believe a word you're saying unless I can, I can feel it, see it, touch it. <laughs> Five senses. And it says, uh, let's pick up, where is that? Verse, uh, verse 26, it says, this is after he said, I will not believe unless I can physically see it. Okay, verse 26. And after eight days, so notice eight days later after Jesus appeared, it says, uh, the disciples were with him. They were in the same place. And Thomas with them this time. And then Jesus, Jesus then came Jesus, and the doors being shut, stood in their midst and said, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas. Uh-oh. Can Jesus hear you when you don't see him? <laughs> you know, and when Jesus shows up, he already knows everything. You know, he knows the past, the present, the future. He knew the whole thing. So here's what he does. He says, he said, Thomas, come here. Reach hither thy finger. Behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. Notice this. Be not faithless. Okay? And I think to some degree or another, all of us have been like Thomas. We can't really point the finger per se. I have been there myself. There have been times where I've doubted God's word. And I, I could have been called Doubting Keith. No question about it. I'm not, I was on that. I understand what that's like. And Thomas say, answered and said unto him, this is after he just touched him, he says, Oh, my Lord, my God. He had a Holy Ghost fit right there. Probably jerked a few times. <laughs> my Lord, my God. It's really you. Right? And Jesus first... After he said that, my Lord, my God, verse 29, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Now notice this phrase, blessed are they that have not seen yet believed. There's a lot in that statement right there. Blessed are they that have not seen yet believed. Now, here's something for you. I never thought of this until 
the Holy Spirit showed me, you know, a few weeks ago. And we, we understand, we're going to talk about this just for a minute here, but we understand that the way we contact this earth realm is with our what? Our five senses. Right? And in case you're not sure what those are, I'll read them to you. <laughs> what you see, your hearing, your taste, your touch, and your smell. Five senses. That's how you contact this physical world with you know, what, how you see, how you hear, how you taste, how you touch, how you smell. All right? But the Lord showed me something in this. He says, notice that four out of five of the senses are in the head. Do you smell with your hand? Do you see with your knee? Do you taste with your foot? Right? Four out of five senses, here are the physical senses, are in the head. Okay? Now, we'll look at that a little bit deeper here because Thomas basically said right here, I will not believe unless I can perceive it, unless I can see it, hear it, taste it, touch it, smell it, so forth. He goes, I'm I'm not going to believe it. But Jesus said this. He says, Thomas, because you've seen me now, you've contacted me physically, you believe. But he says this. He says, blessed are they, would that include us? Blessed are they that haven't seen yet believe. You're blessed. Praise God. Has anybody here seen Jesus physically? Raise your hand. I don't see any hands. Second question. Do you believe... And I don't mean the paintings on the wall. I'm not talking about that. Okay? Jesus knocking on the door, right? Have you seen Jesus? Anybody here? Okay. How many of you, secondly, how many of you believe in Jesus? Even though you haven't seen him. Okay? You, according to this scripture, are blessed because you believe you haven't seen. Think about that. Every day you get up, including today, we have a choice. I have a choice. You have a choice. Am I going to trust God today? We have to make that choice every day, don't we? Yesterday is gone. Last week is gone. Last month is gone. There's nothing you you and I can do to change what happened in the past. But I'll tell you, we do have power over the future. We can make right choices. And we can make a choice. And it's it's something that we have to decide within our minds, in our hearts, to say, I will trust you today. Think about the messes that we get into when we don't trust God. So much can be solved in our lives. So many problems, in fact, all of our problems, can be solved when it comes to the trust issue. Do I trust God today, even though I haven't seen Him? Now, I'll tell you the truth. We need to treat the Word of God as a personal appearance of Jesus appearing to you because the Word of God is just as sure. Peter said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Amen? He even said, do you remember the, the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew, I believe, 17? When Jesus, or when, when uh, Peter, James, and John were up on the mountain, and Jesus uh, then he transformed before them, and they saw Moses and Elijah. Remember that? 
and he was, he was glorified. They saw him in his glorified state. And, and Peter said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's, let's just build some tents here and let's just camp out here. That's what he said. Amen. And a voice spoke from heaven. It was God the Father said, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. <laughs> now in Peter's letter, years after this happened, Peter said, I was up on the mountain. You can read about it in Peter. He says, I was there. We saw the glory of God. But he goes, I'm going to tell you something. He says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. It's the word of God. He says, I was there. I saw him. I saw the glory. I saw Moses. I saw Elijah. Okay? Now, they've been gone for years. But see, in the Spirit, when you see in the Spirit, you know exactly who they are. Say, Pastor Keith, well, we know one another in heaven. Well, if you know one another down here, you'll know one another in heaven. But there's, there's just a knowing. When, when people that have crossed over and come back and had testimony and they saw, like Abraham, they didn't have to ask, who's that guy with the long beard? Who is that? Looks like he's been there a long time. <laughs> Amen. There's a spirit of seeing and knowing. You know. Instantly, you know. Okay? Thank you, Lord Jesus. But he, Jesus said to Thomas, he says, you're, you know, you're excited now because you've seen it, you've felt it. You know, he goes, but let me tell you something. He says, blessed are they that haven't seen yet believed. Glory to God. So, so is there a blessing attached to believing something that your physical senses don't tell? Yes. Okay. Now, it's funny because when I've had different symptoms in my body at times, if I ask my body, body, how are you today? If my body can answer me back, it would say, I'm hurting today. I got pain today. So if I ask my body that question, it would tell me what, the way it feels, Right. But if I came over here and I asked the Word of God, Bible, how am I today? How am I feeling today? By His stripes, you were healed. <laughs> so we've got to be asking the right person. Hallelujah. That's what Glenn's testimony was basically saying the same thing, you know? Because you know, I'm telling you, your circumstances, they have a loud voice. Your body has a voice, right? Your relatives have a voice. Your bank account has a voice. Okay? But God has a voice. There are many voices, the Bible says, in the world. And they all have significance. <laughs> they do. But it's God's voice. God's word that should stand out above everything else. You'll see in Isaiah chapter 53, the prophet in Isaiah by the Spirit of God says, who, God says, who have believed our report? Right? You got a financial report, you got a doctor's report, you got all these different natural reports. But God says, is anybody out there going to believe my report? Amen. Somebody made a song of that years ago. Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Amen. And they sing it again. Yeah. Whose report will you believe? I believe the, the report of the Lord. Amen. You ever hear that song before? Maybe you have or haven't. You have now. But God is saying, whose report are you going to believe? You know? Thank you, Lord. Thomas had what we call, here's what I want to talk about here. He had sense, knowledge, faith. This is the lowest type of faith. Now, of course, 
I use the illustration, you know, like there's natural human faith. You know, when you're driving down the road and there's a, someone's coming across, there's an intersection and they're, uh, they're coming, coming across and you're going 50 miles an hour. There's a computer in your brain that says by the time that you get where they're at, they'll be gone. So you don't, you don't panic. He might be on the same path right in front of you, but he's further up and, you know, that's just natural human senses, right? When you came in here, you didn't use this illustration. You sat on that chair, but you didn't examine the chair. You didn't see if it would hold you up. You plopped down on it, didn't even think twice about it. Did any of you worry whether that seat was going to hold you up? <laughs> okay. When we came in, I didn't think of it, didn't think twice about it. I turned the light switch on when we set up in here this morning, when the crew was in here. I didn't even stop and think, I hope the lights turn on today. I, it was in, unconsciously, I went over, pressed that button, and boom, the lights came on. Now, that's natural human faith, okay? All of us understand that. Now, this is the type of faith that even unsaved people have right? Unregenerate people have. And Thomas was being governed by what he could see, what he could feel, what he could taste and touch, his five physical senses. And he was not in a position to be blessed, but when Jesus said, blessed are they that have not yet seen, yet they believe. That's what gives glory to the Lord more than anything else. Amen? Most of the time when you pray, for example, for the most part, you don't see immediate change. You know, you pray for a loved one. You pray for a child or you pray for a relative or somebody, a husband or wife. You know, you pray for them. And as soon as you pray, your physical senses will tell you it still looks the same. Amen. Has anybody been there before? Yes. It still looks the same. It doesn't look like it changed. And your senses, your five senses are screaming back at you, God didn't answer your prayer. Look, it's still the same. Okay? Now go over to 2 Corinthians 5, 7, because I want to I walk you through this this morning here, because walking by faith is not rocket science. It's not hard. We can learn. I'm telling you, someone that can get saved today in this service, if they're not saved, they can learn to walk by faith. They can learn to walk by faith. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, not a very long scripture, but Paul says this, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, I could say it like this. We walk by revelation of the word and not by our five physical senses. We walk by faith. Heard it said one time, if you walk by sight, then you walk in fright. Because what you see sometimes can trigger things and emotionally can trigger things in your soul. Okay, we all know what that's like. Okay, now as long as we're in this earth realm, which we are, we have to learn how to walk by faith or walk by the word of God when it comes to receiving answers to our prayers. Okay, most of the prayers that I pray, I don't see initially immediate results. Now sometimes you do, it depends what it is. But, you know, if you're praying, like, for example, for finances in the natural realm, you know, you could pray one second, but the next second you may not have a knock on the door. You may not have something happen, but you can be confident that you're prayed and God's doing something. He's moving behind the scenes 
even though your physical eyes don't see it. You can pray for healing and claim divine health. You know, I claim healing in my body right now if you're going through something. Well, Jesus said this in Mark 16. He says, believers will lay hands upon the sick and they will recover. He didn't say believers would lay hands on the sick and they'll see an instant miracle. Now that can't happen, okay? But recovery implies a process, okay? Many times when Jesus would minister to someone that said, would make a statement like this, from that very hour they began to amend, okay? So, but here's the thing, when you pray and you claim, you pray the prayer of faith and uh, James chapter 5, the prayer of faith. The Bible says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the leaders of the church. Let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven. But it says, The prayer of faith will restore the sick. Prayer of faith. So the prayer of faith says, I got it now. I take it. It's mine. And you walk away and you're still hurting. You're still limping. But I prayed in faith. Now your senses will say, you didn't get it. Look at you, you pretty thing. You're still limping. You still got the pain. Okay? Now that's sense knowledge faith. But Revelation says, I know what my body's telling me, but I know that the Word of God is true, and I stand on the Word. The Word of God is true. Thank you, Father. I praise you, Father. Glory to God. Every time I've gotten healed in my life, I'm telling you, it came that same way. For the most part, 90% of the time, when I've been healed, and sometimes, like I shared a message not too long about how your body needs, uh, the, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, make alive your mortal body by his spirit that lives within you. And sometimes your body, parts of your body, like parts of a car, need replaced or quickened. You know, you know if you're... If you're tires wear out in your car, you don't throw the whole car out. You go get a pair of new tires. If your brakes wear out, you go to a set of new brake pads, right? Sometimes rotors. <laughs> and, uh, but you don't throw the whole vehicle out. And sometimes your body, certain parts of your body need quickened, or which means to make alive. God is a master at quickening dead things. Bringing them back to life. You had a body part that wasn't working quite right, you know, and so forth. And then there's a quickening power of the Word of God. We were blessed just a few short weeks ago. Uh, uh, Brother Dennis, Sister Sue, their daughter was here with their little precious little grandbaby, you know. And it was just a marvelous testimony to see. Because I remembered, it wasn't that long ago, when they were faced with bad news, okay. And, you, you know, nobody wants to hear that. That's your, it's your grandkid, you know what I'm saying? But they, they, they stood on the Word of God. They stood on the promise of God. And you remember when she, a few, we were over in that other section there, and she testified and gave thanks to the Lord because of His faithfulness for the healing power of God. Well, guess what? God has not only quickened, He continues to quicken His body. Amen? Amen? To the point where not in the distant future, there'll be no trace that that ever happened. Praise the Lord. Sense knowledge faith is a curse because we're not meant to walk by natural faith. 
Then there, there are people today that just, I ain't going to believe that. I'm not going to believe that until I can see it. I don't believe in miracles. I never experienced them. I've had people, friends of mine through the years. You know, you get to know a lot of people in 59 years. <laughs> you know, especially in the last 50 years. You get to know a lot of people. And uh, some good, some not so good. You know what I mean? But, but you realize there are, there are certain groups of people that just refuse to walk. I know people, Christians, that got offended at the Word of God. Got offended at God, offended at the church, offended at the things of God, and backed off and backslid. When at one point in their lives they were born again, they were walking with God, some were even filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues. But what happened? They got back in the natural. Got back in the natural. Quit walking by faith, started walking by sight, started listening to all the news media. You know? Start listening to all the lies. Start listening to all your buddies. Okay? We need to be really careful, by the way, who we choose to be our friends. Okay? Some people you're just called to just minister to them, you know. But, but, but you know, truth, we're not being critical people. You understand what I mean. But it's, it's really important. If you're going to be close with someone, you want them to be able to impart something that's good to you. Because... Sometimes if you spend too much time with someone that's not walking with God and not serving God, their same mindset can rub off on you and affect you. Do you ever notice that? But we can flip the thing around. I mean, like today, we had this fellowship afterwards. You know, we got the word here, praise the Lord. But, you know, we, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. We can sharpen one another. We can help one another. And that's what the body is so beautiful. That's what I love about this church. Amen? Is, is good people coming together. It doesn't matter how many here. It doesn't matter. We can sharpen one another. We can help one another. Amen? Um, go to uh, 2 Corinthians here. Oh, man, we're running short on time here. But that's okay. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 3, it says here, uh, Paul, this, Paul says here, says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom, notice this, the God, small g, of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in unto them. Now I know most of us have heard this scripture before and we say, Satan is the God of this world, small g, not capital G. Now he's not our God. But before we were saved, He was our God. We just didn't know it. It's called deception. And it says, Satan has blinded the minds of people. Now, have you ever, have you ever tried to share something that's dear to you, something that's valuable to you or precious to you in the things of God, and you've tried to share it with someone else and they turned you off immediately? 
I was at uh, my grandfather's funeral. This is many years ago. My dad's, my dad's father. And uh, his name was Jack, okay? He was quite a character, and, and he came to know the Lord in his, his latter days, okay? He certainly had all kind of problems. My dad's, my grandfather had all kind of problems growing up, you know? And uh, man, I won't get, won't get into that, but he ended up getting saved, praise the Lord. Well, he went home to be with the Lord, and uh, we were at the funeral, and it was, you know, this is probably, what, about 15 years ago? Maybe maybe 20 now, yeah. 20 years ago, and um, you lose track of time after a while, you know? My daughter said yesterday, she goes, Dad, everything you say is like 10 years ago. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you're 25, I understand that, but when you're 59, it was a few years ago, you know? <laughs> I told you I'd get to you. And um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, there was, a, there was a cousin of mine, a second cousin of mine that was at, you know, people come out to a funeral to pay their respects and what have you. You know, there's a lot of people there. And um, but I, this one cousin, his name is Dave, you know. He was older than mine. He served in, he served in Vietnam and so forth, you know. And just a, a good guy, but just, did, you just didn't know Jesus. I mean, just had a rough upbringing, you know, really rough. His dad was real rough on him, you know, and, and, uh, but my heart really went out to him. We were at the funeral, you know, and, and I decided that I was going to share with him about the Lord, not be obnoxious about it, not get in his face about it, but just, just kind of weave it into the conversation. Okay. And so the Lord helped me to do that, you know, and I didn't come out and blast him away or anything like that with my gospel guns, so to speak. But I started, started talking to him, you know, and but I noticed as soon as I started talking about the Lord, because I talked about my grandfather, because he said, oh, your grandfather, I just loved him. He was the best, you know. Oh, I just love him. And, and the Lord, here's where he kind of gave me a little a doorway to get into that conversation. I said, well, you know, granddad had a pretty rough life. He, has, he had a lot of problems. But I'll tell you what, in his latter years, he, he heard the gospel of Jesus, and he made Jesus his Lord. Okay. And, uh, and immediately, as soon as I said that, you could tell he got fidgety, uncomfortable, and he changed the subject. He goes, he goes how about those Steelers? That's what he said. I'm like, how do we get from that to this? You know what I'm saying? Well, I knew what it was. It was the, it was the, the Bible says that God, small g, of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Their greatest blessing, they think, is the greatest curse. Now, it's, it's been said like this. Nobody would drive down a highway at 100 miles an hour, and they come across, they see big, these big signs that said, road is out, cliff ahead. Nobody in their right mind would drive down there 100 miles an hour, determined and not look at the signs that are there because of their, it's going to be sure death. They go through that and they plunge off into a cliff and that's it. Yeah. Nobody in their right mind would do that. But if they're blinded, they may not see that. Okay? And that's why we can have compassion on people that don't know Jesus. Because sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll share the gospel, the word, even a scripture or something with people and they're welcome. They're like, man, I, I, you know, I really needed to hear that. Thanks for sharing that. But then sometimes, I know there's people 
where they hear a scripture or they hear some type of a Bible thing and they just, they just go off the deep end. They get mad. Did you ever have that happen to you? I don't want to hear that, you know. Now I remember where it's really close to home. When, uh, when I was uh, 16, I received Christ. I told you my testimony. Long story short, my parents were not saved yet. My sister and I received Christ. She was 14. I was 16, okay, at the time, back in 1976. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, I, I got a hold of a live wire. You know what I mean by that? It was like when this guy prayed with me, something just, I didn't understand it, but I just, man, I just felt totally different on the inside. I just felt clean. I felt excited about life. I felt like I had purpose in life again, you know? And so naturally, you want other people to experience that. So I didn't, I didn't even know what the term evangelism meant. I just, I just wanted to tell people about, man, I had this experience. And I'll tell you what, it, it just changed my life, you know. But I remember my mom and dad, you know. And I remember, I remember my mother, first and foremost. They thought we'd, we started going to this other church. It was a, like it is. It was a full gospel church. They thought we joined a cult. Okay? They really thought that. Maybe you have relatives that thought that about you too. You know, they literally thought, man, he's gone off the deep end. Didn't we teach you well enough, you know? But I remember one day I was helping my mother. We had chores. <laughs> In other words, work. Okay? And I was, I was glad because my parents taught me responsibility. I started working when I was 11 years old. Okay? Uh, we didn't have a whole lot in the natural, you know. My parents, they taught me some certain things that, you know, if you want something, you've got to work for it. You know what I mean? And that was good for me. I learned I started working on a golf course when I was 11 years old. I was a caddy. Okay? That's another story. But I, I uh, when they start throwing clubs at you because they're mad, you know, and they blame their golf game on you, <laughs> you know. And I'm like 12 years old or whatever it was, you know, and they were yelling at me, screaming at me. I saw all kind of stuff. <laughs> what an education. So I'm, I'm helping my mother do the dishes one day. It was in the summer. And, you know, we didn't have a dishwasher. She washed it. I dried it. And my sister and I would swap. Okay. Somehow we got in the conversation. And I, I, I couldn't get it off my mind because I'd just gotten saved. And I started talking to her about the things of God and being born again, you know, and and uh, I could tell she was getting real fidgety when I was telling her. And I don't know, I probably didn't use all the wisdom. I probably didn't, I'm sure. But it, somehow in the conversation, I said, well, if you don't get saved, you go to hell. Okay? Uh, something, in that, something along that line, I just, I just remember saying to her, and oh my goodness, when I said that, she reared up, I mean to tell you, and my dad was downstairs on his workbench. You know, he was a, a, hands, a handyman, you know. Some of you remember my dad. You know, he would work on things all the time. And my mother, she just got so freaking upset at me. I'm like, what did I just say, you know? I was telling her how to get saved. She said, you mean we didn't bring you up the right way? We went to the wrong church. She started feeling the guilt and all this kind of stuff. She's yelling at me. And then my father overheard it. He's downstairs. And uh, back in those days, he had a pretty hot temper, you know, and he came running up the steps, not walking, running up the steps. 
And I mean, he started screaming at me, you know, like I was disrespecting my mother. And I wasn't. I was just having a conversation. But what happened was she was being convicted. Now, today she's saved, spirit-filled, loves God. She's completely transformed. But back then, man, that, that, that devil was blinding her eyes from the truth. And I was just simply sharing the, the, the word with her, thinking she'll grab hold of it, you know. Then I began to realize real quick, they didn't want to hear what I had to say. Do you ever notice that sometimes with relatives, they don't want to hear a word you're saying? saying? Do you ever notice that? Am I the only one? Sometimes you try to share with kin folks and brothers, sisters, whatever. And uh, because here's the thing. They don't want to, it's called pride. They don't want to admit that they're wrong and you're right. You're not trying to prove them wrong. You're just trying to help them. <laughs> okay? And so, man, it, I tell you, I busted out crying. I mean, there was just tears and it, just, it was ugly. And I remember leaving the house. Now, I had a friend of mine. We're going to pick up next week the other, the other part of faith by revelation faith because we're almost out of time here about the Abraham type of faith. That's totally different than, than um, uh, Thomas kind of faith. Okay? And so, like I said, I had experienced the Lord. And so I'm, I'm sharing the Lord with my buddies and my friends. And one of my good friends in, high, in junior high school and high school, his name was Jim. And I, I had the privilege to lead him to the Lord. Man, he received it. He grabbed onto it, you know. And, man, I'm telling you, we were just like bosom friends, man. I'm telling you, we just, we ended up like having prayer meetings together. No one was, not even anybody didn't teach us how to do this. We just instinctively began to do it. He, he fell in love with Jesus. I was in love with Jesus. And we started sharing the gospel with people. But we noticed this, that when it came to our parents and so forth, they didn't want to hear, you know, he had a big family. They didn't want to hear a word that we had to say. They didn't, they didn't want to hear anything. But here's the thing. During that time, I, was, I just had gotten into a church like this. And it was a Rhema graduate. Okay? His name was Pastor David. I remember that. He was, that's where I met my wife. And they were sharing truths from the Word of God that I never heard before. And, and, Brother Hagin had taught for years this scripture, Satan is the God of this world. He's blinded the minds of them that believe, lest they believe. You know what I mean? He's blinded their minds. And he said this. Kenneth Hagin said this. You can, get, you can read about this and you can hear it on his book on the authority of the believer. If you get, I would recommend that book from Kenneth E. Hagin. The, the believers, I think it's called The Believer's Authority now. Okay? Jesus gave that to him personally. Okay? And he used, the, he used the illustration, what I just said about somebody driving down the road. With their, if they were in their right mind, they would never drive off a cliff. You know what I'm saying? And he said, the unbelievers of this generation, which we all came out of that, they are blinded by the powers of darkness. Demon spirits are blinding their, their thinking, and they think you're all nuts. They think you're kooks. Okay? Now, demons are responsible for that. The God of this world has blinded the minds. He goes, but... We can take authority in the name of Jesus and cast those demon spirits, those blinding spirits off of our loved ones and then send laborers across. Jesus taught them this. He said, take authority over the blinding spirits. And number two, he says, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers across your loved ones. 
Because God knows who they will hear, knows who they will listen to. They may not hear you. They may or may not. But God knows who your relative will hear. It will, it will, it'll work. Amen. And so I grabbed onto that. I said, okay, let's do that. So I remember we would have, every Friday night, we would almost every Friday night, we would drive around, we'd pray. My friend and I, you know. And it was a real late night, like a Friday night. And I remember we pulled up in my, in my driveway. And he had a, G, a, a Jeep Cherokee when they first came out. I remember that. Tan. That's all coming back to me. And we were, we were parked in my parents' driveway. I was still living at home. I wasn't married yet. And my parents were in bed. You could see their windows up there. But they couldn't hear us. We were in the car. And they, they, I, just, I said, you know what? We're going to do what we just heard taught at church. We're going to take authority. So we did that. We said, in the name of Jesus. We take authority over the blinding spirits that are blinding my parents and my friend's parents. We break the power of the devil over them right now. Blinding spirits, you go in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray just like we just learned. Send uh, ministering spirits or send laborers across their path. Okay? Now here's what happened. Uh, not, not, not in the distant future, but short distance, short future. Right after that happened. My parents, who initially did not want to hear it, you didn't even bring it up, okay? My father was a policeman, okay? He was a city policeman, okay? That was his, he loved that. That was his passion, okay? So my dad was a cop, you know? <laughs> and uh, so this is back when they had paddy wagons and all that kind of stuff. They didn't have ambulances. If, you were, if your body was broken up, they just threw you in the back and took you to the hospital. They didn't have EMS vehicles, none of that stuff. It was just, you know what I mean? My parents went away on this retreat, okay? And, uh, and it was for the police, okay? And I didn't know what it was, but... It was like they were gone for like two or three days. I remember it. I was at home by myself, just enjoying myself. I'm just young, <laughs> you know, 17 years old, something like that. And, um, and my parents, I heard the car pull up. They came up. The door opened up. And when they walked in, they had smiles that, like you wouldn't believe. They were, I mean, I looked at them like, I'm not used to seeing them like that. They were as happy as you could get. And they said, Keith. We need to talk to you about something. This time they were happy. I said, well, yeah, what, what happened? She goes, they both said, because they both gave their hearts to the Lord at this retreat. Okay? They said, we totally understand where you're coming from now. You were right, we were wrong, but we understand now because, you know, they started crying. They said, we got saved. We understand that. And from that, from that moment on, man, I'm things changed, you know. And then on my friend's side, oh, my goodness. There, he had several brothers and sisters, and one by one, they all started. Now, they would laugh at us, joke at us, make fun of us, okay. Just don't take it personally, and people do that. I, I just refuse to get offended. I'm not, they, don't know, they don't even know what they're doing. But I'll tell you, God is my witness. I, we saw... Time and time again, not all once, but his brothers, the worst, his worst brother, that was like the black sheep of the family, the worst, 
gave his heart to the Lord. Somebody walked into a bar and witnessed to him. One of his old buddies that got saved, he got saved, you know. And then one by one, his parents got saved. They all started coming in. Before you know it, the entire family is blood washed. Amen. Hallelujah. Now I'll close with this real quick story here. But I remember about 10 years ago. It literally was. <laughs> I didn't plan on that, but it's the way it came out. <laughs> oh, it's good to have fun, isn't it? Hallelujah. Um, my uh, brother's father-in-law, okay, lives in a certain area in Pittsburgh. He had a brother, a wayward brother. Now, his father-in-law, my brother's father-in-law, is saved. Nice, wonderful man. Dennis, you met him. Yeah. Well, he had, he had grown up in a really bad household. I won't go into detail, but his one brother was uh, extremely, I mean, he was like living on the streets. You know what I mean? Just really bad drugs, alcohol, the whole nine yards. You know, really bad lifestyle. And, and of course... This gentleman wanted to see his brother saved. I'm over at his house for whatever reason. We were over there. He was telling me this about his brother. He got a real concern for him. He says, Keith, I don't know if he's going to make it. He goes, he's, you know, he's been hit by like two trains and things like this. I mean, he's, and he's somehow he's still alive, you know. So long story real short, I was, I was able to share with my brother's father-in-law some of the same stuff I'm sharing with you right now. Because I, I just, when, when he was telling me this about his brother who was living in Florida at the time. Now he's, he's with Jesus now. But he said, man, I just got a real concern for him that, that he's, he's not saved. He could go at any time, you know. And I said, well, let's do this. And so I shared the same thing I just shared with you, you know, condensed it. You know, I said, we're going to, let's pray. Would you want to pray, brother? And he goes, yeah, let's do that. And so... We broke and took authority because he tried to give him like music and share things with him, you know. He would, didn't want to hear nothing about Jesus. He would start cursing as soon as he heard Jesus, you know. And uh, so we prayed, took authority over the blinding spirits. We prayed laborers to be sent across his path. Uh, ten years later, no, uh, just a, a few, I don't know if it was a month or something after. It wasn't too long. It was a short, yeah. And he, he goes, Keith, he goes, he goes, you're not going to guess what, you won't believe what just happened. <laughs> he says, my brother got saved. <laughs> he says, someone came to him and I don't know what, there's some type of connection that he liked. I don't know what it was exactly, but this guy was saved, ended up leading him to the Lord when prior to that for years after years, layers of years, he didn't want to hear anything. He would curse God's name and everything. He didn't want to have anything to do with this. But when God sent the right person across his path, he responded. Now the light of the glorious gospel shined into him. Can any of you testify to the fact that you think differently now that you're saved? Amen. Do you remember the way you used to think, the way you used to, to handle your affairs and do things? Doesn't it, when you come to Jesus, does it make a huge difference in your life? Oh, oh, oh my goodness. And people that don't know about Jesus, people that don't walk with Jesus, they're at a major disadvantage. But we that know the truth of God's Word 
and know Jesus as our Lord. We have a major advantage in this life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the light of the Word is the most powerful light. It's brighter than any flashlight, any light, any spotlight you can imagine. It's spiritual light that's on the inside of us. Now, I certainly did not, and look at my notes, I certainly did not plan on going in that direction because I was going to finish about the Abraham type of faith, okay? We'll pick that up next week. If that's what the Lord wants, okay, we'll pick that up. But I wanted to share with you today about this sense, knowledge, faith, that we're not to walk by that. We're to walk by the Word of God. We walk by faith and not by sight. And if, if we walk by faith, we will be blessed in every area. You will always come out on the top, like cream rises to the top. You will always rise up when you walk in faith and you trust the Lord. You get up Monday, Jesus, I trust you today. Tuesday, I trust you today, Lord. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Lord, I trust you today. That can be the first thing that pops out of our lips. I trust you today, Lord, with my body. I trust you today, Lord, with protection. I trust you, Lord, today, moving forward. I'm not afraid of the future. I'm not afraid of what could happen because you, Lord, are in my future. You will watch me. You will guide me with your eye. You will steer me around things that are meant to trip me up. You will help me. You will guide me with your eye, the Bible says. He will guide us with his eye. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, today we thank you. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. We worship you.